0: Welcome to The Clarity Call, a podcast which provides encouragement and guidance to parents overwhelmed with the responsibilities of raising a child with special needs or has a medically complex diagnosis. Gain an enlightening perspective that helps dispel feelings of fear, uncertainty, or exhaustion as you venture into a life of peace, joy, and clarity. You're now on The Clarity Call with Alicia and Kimberly,
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Clarity Call. I'm Alicia. And I'm Kimberly. And we are here on this journey with you. We're so grateful you're here.
2: Yes. And just a quick recap of who we are and what we're doing here um, we are sisters. Um, between us, we have 16 children, six of which have a medically complex diagnosis or are considered special needs. And we are both in our second and final marriages. Getting through life every day. Yes, yes, right. it's a good life. That's who we are, um, and we begin each podcast with a reality check, and we're going to have Alicia do that for us today.
1: Yeah. So, this was a interesting week. Um, we I we came here a year ago to this neighborhood and. It's been really neat. It's lots of special people, and we've connected with some on different levels than others, but everybody's been super kind, and it's been a great place. The weekend we moved here, um, the family down on the corner, he lost his wife. And um, so it's been a challenging year for, for them. We've gotten to know him just a little bit. He has two little kids. And this week, here it's a year later, and all the stuff that's transpired, Um, his mom comes and knocks at the door and asks if the kids can play and jump on the trampoline with Brock. And, um, so she just says, I I felt a little uncomfortable thinking I was going to just walk into your backyard, but I said, Oh, no, we're we live life an open book, like, come on in, it's totally fine. And they can play, they can play for about an hour and 15 minutes, and then I'm going to have to go help Kimberly. And so I get to, and, um, So as long as that's fine, oh, yeah, that's fine. Okay, she'll go back to her work, I thought. Well, I was in the middle of making banana bread as quickly as I could, and I was talking to my oldest daughter on the phone, and we'd been interrupted a couple times, and I look out the window and hear this woman sitting out at my picnic table watching the kids jump on the trampoline. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, Audrey, I'm going to have to go. (laughs) This lady's in my backyard, and I feel bad. I need to go out and say something to her. She's watching these kids. And so I hang up with her. I just put the banana bread in the oven and I walk outside and I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I, I guess I thought, you know, you were going home, but I'm. Uh, how are you doing? This is who I am. And what's your name? And we introduced for just a second. And it wasn't three minutes into the conversation that we had connected on so many levels with autism, with bedwetting, with um addiction and trauma and motherhood and somebody cleaning houses like it was crazy how quickly it just happened and she looked at me and she's like oh my gosh I'm so grateful I'm talking to you and I'm like okay this is a complete stranger in my backyard who just um we just crossed paths bam just like that and um anyway timer goes off I invite her in the house because her granddaughter needed a drink of water and she sits down and she kind of just melts into the chair and I'm like here is this complete stranger sitting in my home And we start talking and I'm telling you people, this was such a beautiful experience. And, um, she just felt so grateful. Her mother heart was overwhelmed from what she was dealing with, watching her son grieve and go through the struggles and, um, her grandchildren just, just trying to figure out babysitting and how are they going to make this life work? Um, he's been widowed and, and was just going through so many things, um, between being a veteran and having a, a hip surgery just a month ago, like just big things. And this, I, my heart just connected with her mother heart. Like, wow, life gets really hard for everybody. And she couldn't talk enough about how grateful she was to have that 40 minutes of a conversation with me. And and I told her, I says, you know, we were dropped in this neighborhood for a reason, and we know that. And um, Team Universe, as we're going to find out a little bit here in a minute with our guest, um, Is looking out for all of us he really is they really are and they're here to help us when we need um, particular people in our tribe at certain times in our life and it was just a beautiful experience in this reality check of be available be vulnerable it's not easy but she was so grateful i had had experiences and was able to open up to her And we could just share and have a moment. And um, it just brought so much peace to her mother heart, she said. And I was just really grateful to have that experience. So That's absolutely
2: beautiful. And as Alicia mentioned, we have such an awesome guest on our show today. We are so excited that she agreed to come on and be our guest and have a conversation with us today, Rachel Larson, who is also our cousin. So (laughs) welcome to the podcast, Rachel. Tell us a little bit about you.
3: Thank you. I am excited to be here um, because it's really exciting every time I get to talk to you guys. Yeah. Once we grew up, it's like we don't see each other that much anymore. Right. Um, so my name is Rachel Larson. I am a mom of four, like, lovely tornadoes. <laughs> and I also host um, two different podcasts. One is called Humans Dealing with Humans, which is uh, just Sorry, it's first-hand accounts of real-life stories, and uh, it's basically just me interviewing people about the craziest stories that have ever happened in their lives. It is ridiculous amounts of fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and I have met a lot of really cool people and learned a lot of things from that one. The second podcast is, um, it's a little trickier for me to talk about because I have, like, huge levels of insecurity about that one every single day. It is a spiritual podcast, um, kind of exploring my own spiritual journey with team universe, as I refer to them um, and how they work in our lives. And it is called, but how though and other spiritual conundrums. And it's basically about taking these really pretty, perfectly packaged gospel principles and then trying to apply them to your like super messy and oftentimes just messed up lives, you know and trying to like see what that actually looks like in a practical application because it just it never is how it sounds like it should be in sunday school Exactly. <laughs> True. so um i i have all of these things that you could label as like Titles or things that I'm doing in my life, I think one of the most important things, um, that I deal with specifically is I'm in active recovery from body image and eating disorders and what that looks like through the intensive therapies and the research you've got to do and the learning, um, has, has taken me to a place where I really had to face down, um, not the watered down versions of what people tell you recovery looks like I really had to face down what it looks like to um, to work through trauma and not to try to not to try to get around um, or prevent things from happening but really learning how to lean into them while you're getting through them and just being honest about it instead right. of like trying to pretend it's less than it is or that it won't happen to you or anything like that, but just like on a daily basis, acknowledging this is what the truth is today. How are we going to get through it?
2: Yes. No, and that was why I felt like it was so vital for our audience specifically to have you come on and share pieces of your story, specifically um, episode, episode five of her podcast, But How Though, which I will link to in the show notes, is about trauma um, and how she has dealt with and gotten through and is dealing with daily, like she just said, so much um, of the trauma that has come up in her life. So um, we can just kind of start about how in in this particular podcast, you talk about, um, you know, that you had had this spiral into depression and that you were dealing with anxiety and talking to therapists about it and that you even kind of say that you felt ridiculous at one point because you know of your trauma response was based on something that felt silly compared to maybe a veteran who had watched people die and been in wars and had that level of trauma you know and it just really made me come back to this point of how comparison is just completely the thief of joy and that we just cannot compare ourselves to others and their journeys. Right.
3: Yeah. I mean, you can, you can, <laughs> it just won't help you. It just won't do It's not effective. Right. You know, and when I, I really had to face that particular um, principle, because I have lived my life in a constant state of competition and comparison. Yeah. And, and I felt like that was, the only way I could know how I was doing but the first time I walked into a therapist's office and he said let's talk about your anxiety and I was like I don't have anxiety because (laughs) to me anxiety was like social anxiety right where you were afraid to talk to people or you felt uncomfortable with people and I have never had that and so I just thought that's not that's not me and and then he was like okay really like how many decisions do you make on a daily basis based on a fear, right? If either something you don't want to happen or something you're trying to make happen in your life. And that's Control. when I was like, Oh, yeah, all of my decisions are based on those two factors. Right. <laughs> I didn't, you know, it just didn't occur to me that I would fall into that category. So that kind of opened my mind to the fact that there's more to my brain that than I know, mm-hmm. first of all, and the injuries and things that are happening, I don't get to decide what they are. I didn't get to decide whether or not I had anxiety. I just did. And so the when I had a therapist that said, okay, let's now talk about trauma, I had shame immediately flare up in my gut saying, you should not have trauma because nothing traumatizing, I say that in quotes, nothing traumatizing has occurred to you. Right. And I had to go through my childhood and say, okay, I was not neglected, I was not abused, I was not um, molested. There were so many things that like had not happened um, that most people would chalk up and say, but that's what trauma is. And finally, my therapist was like, why do you get to decide what trauma is? Like your brain gets injured based on your personal anatomy and your personality. So you can, you can sit here and say, okay, I shouldn't have trauma as long, I mean, you could do that for years, sure, but it's not actually going to help you get through the trauma that you are actually carrying. There's right. nothing There's nothing I can do about it. The fact is you do have trauma, and so if you're going to go ahead and look at it and accept it, that's when we can move through it. If you're going to deny that you have it, you're just going to have to keep carrying it. Right.
2: Yes. <laughs> like, so now what, right? Sucks. Yeah. <laughs> but that takes a lot of courage to ask. Okay, so now what? Because guess what? All of that ugly and misery that you just talked about unfortunately, is comfortable. Like, we -hmm. become comfortable in that state. And so then moving past that point, even though it's, you know, logically we know could, you know, that's how we're going to get to that more healthy, better state of being who we want to be and showing up in the world how we want to, the brain's like, no, 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 go back, go back. This is uncomfortable. This is scary. We don't want (laughs) to do this.
3: Right, right. So. And I think what's, what's really interesting, too, about the whole, like, comparison thing, especially with you've got a, a lot of listeners that are dealing with a lot of heavy things.
0: Yeah. And it's
3: not, just the, it's not just the emotional burden of, oh, this has been hard for a while. It's also the emotional burden of something that is both <laughs> chronic and cumulative. So every single day that you wake up, you are also going to be you're going to be carrying what has happened in the past with the situation, but you're also going to be facing what's going to come today with the situation. Which oftentimes is unknown
2: with special needs kids. Oh,
3: completely! (laughs) Yeah. Completely! And so you can say to yourself, I've got this plate, my brain, and it has a certain capacity, and I can keep putting stuff in there, but if I don't sort through it and put stuff away ever, like trauma, then eventually stuff's going to start falling off the surface of the plate because the surface of the plate really is only a certain size. Right. So if you can't sort through what you've got on there that shouldn't be present right now, then you're going to just have crap falling off the edges all the time. And you don't get to choose where they are. Right. That that was the other scary thing. Like I didn't get to choose what was falling off my plate. So When I spiral into this depression, I mean, dropping the ball, (laughs) things falling through the cracks. On a practical level, that looks like missed appointments.
0: Right. That looks
3: like forgetting to pick up your child from the carpool. Mm-hmm. That looks like um, completely forgetting that someone had a uh, orchestra concert that night. <laughs> right. That looks like oh shoot, I was supposed to call so and so about such and such or whatever. Like it doesn't look good. Right. <laughs> you don't get to choose what it is that you forget. But at one point,
1: and, even in your. Um... In your podcast, you even talk about your hygiene and how, like, you're talking about things that are external, but what about those things that really affect you, like, right now? Like, yeah, the missed appointments and those things you can reschedule, but you don't get back if you choose not to brush your teeth or shower, you know, those things that you, you know, and that's a lot of that self-care that just goes by the wayside and adds to the problem.
3: Yes, and that's the kind of stuff, I'm glad you brought that up, because that's the kind of stuff you don't notice for a while, because... Mm -hmm. Your, your mind will come up with reasonable explanations why you're letting that go um, so that you don't have to look at the deeper things that are occurring. So be my kid alive. Really, I don't
2: have time to brush my teeth. Are you kidding
3: exactly, me? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> or you just think, uh, I'm tired. I'm already in my bed. I don't want to get up and brush those teeth. Yes. And then that happens in the morning. Oh, I've got to hurry and do the thing. I, I don't have time to brush my teeth. And then all of a sudden... I. I mean, I'm going to be completely honest here. All of a sudden you might realize it's been a couple of days since you've even put toothpaste on the toothbrush. Right. And, and then you're like, "Ew, that's kind of gross. And then you feel gross about yourself. And then you feel ashamed. (laughs) Yeah. And really it wasn't until I had to look at the fact that I was avoiding taking care of myself because on a deeper level, I was feeling like it wasn't worth it. Mm -hmm. My body wasn't worth it. And because I had so much, um, distrust around my body and also so much shame around my body. It was one of the first things that was easy for my brain to let go of because I wasn't valuing it. And I had to look at that really honestly and say, oh, I gotta change. Mm-hmm. And and I had to write myself a prescription as if I was a doctor. Like, okay, if I was a doctor telling me what how to take care of my body, what's step one? And it was it was kind of embarrassing to get to that level. Of uh, depression, but it's it's also just like it, it's what happened, right? And
1: so, I want to ask you real right.
3: quick: what
1: is that? What does that brick wall look like? Because I know what mine was when I was going through that kind of trauma, um, running into that cement wall. But I don't know, like you said there's realizations that sometimes don't even come to your mind. And I had at the time, my dad finally take me out of the rocking chair. And I was doing all the little things to keep my kids alive and all the things they needed to do and myself even. But it wasn't until my dad said, you're done. I'm not watching you do this anymore. Like we're getting a change right here, right now. And I went, wait, I need a change? What? Yeah. (laughs) What what was your brick wall? What was your like smack in the face moment where or your rock bottom or your realization, your light bulb, whatever it was, what was that for you?
3: So I, I was like very similar to you where, um, I could recognize on a, on a, some sort of level that there was, um, there was a problem, but in my mind I wasn't looking at like, okay, what's the problem? It just, I could feel it. And so I just, it just made me work harder just to, okay, I'll do this. Okay. I'll do this. Okay. I'll do this without really acknowledging, okay, Let's look at what the problem is so that I can dive in a little deeper. I didn't want to go deeper. I just wanted to be busy so that I felt like I was accomplishing without actually looking at what it was I needed to accomplish. Yes. <laughs> and so um, I had gone through a little bit of a relapse with my body. image and eating disorders where um, I just felt so gross about my body. And um, I know this is not going to be relatable for everyone because not everybody has this issue. But I decided that obviously the problem is I'm just too shallow. So I need to go to that angle and and recognize that my body, what it looks like doesn't matter and that I can do the same thing. I am the same person to everyone, no matter what I look like. So I came up with this really great idea that I was just going to challenge my look. And so I decided to do it with a hair project and I tried every little hair thing. What I wanted to do was buzz my head because I thought I'd always wanted to know what that would be like, you know, but Mm -hmm. I was always just too scared to do it. And I'm "I'm not going to let fear be the thing that stops me from trying a thing I want to (laughs) do. And then I thought, if I'm going to buzz my head, then I'm going to try all the hairstyles going down to this buzz head um, that I've ever wanted. All the colors, anything, because I'm buzzing it anyway. Who cares? So I thought very naively this is any, you know, (laughs) sanity in anything. (laughs) I'm just going to foreshadow it a little bit for you. (laughs) I naively thought this would cure me of my disorder. It did not. And I went through this um, project not looking at what the core problem was, which was that I did not see that I had value unless I looked a certain way. And instead I went after the problem of I just need to get over the look thing um, by changing the look. But it immediately, because I didn't go for the core problem, it immediately just became um, another way for me to seek external validation. Right. I'm trying all these hairstyles and people are reacting to them, obviously, because it's a hairstyle they can see. Right. And, and so I'm getting, it's doing the exact opposite of what I'm planning on it. Um, And so I, it looked like I was going through the motions of preparing to face down these inner, inner demons. I really thought I was going going through the motions to prepare myself. But since I wasn't, <laughs> when I did buzz my head and I actually had to face down the demon, I went to that demon doorstep completely unprepared. And I was facing the actual problem, which is that I did not know my value without any kind of team, without any kind of research, without any kind of tools and I was facing a foe that I was not equal to. Yeah. And it was really, really, it was really hard because of the type of person that I am. I do not like to ask for help. I like to just announce what I'm doing and then have everyone applaud. That's really that's <laughs> There you go. <laughs> how, I like, how I like to offer. <laughs> I don't want your advice. I just want you to tell me how good I'm doing. Okay. Right, right. <laughs> I had to, I had to relearn a little bit about, about that. But, when I'm facing myself with an actual buzzed head now, I have a high for about three weeks because I did the thing. I did the really brave thing. And I did not know very many women that had ever buzzed their head just for funsies. Um, and so I also felt kind of cool, mm-hmm. you know, like I've done this thing that's like super different and impressive. You know, in my mind, I'm thinking I'm, I'm very surprising and impressive. and And then after three weeks, it starts to grow back and and on a practical level what that looks like that is one inch basically of like fuzzy helmet hair all over my head that you cannot style You can't, no amount of product will make it behave and you just look like this baby gorilla <laughs> and really the only creatures on this planet that look cute with baby gorilla hair are baby gorillas right. so I all of a sudden have to face what my life looks like on a daily basis feeling the ugliest I've ever felt in my life and since I didn't actually go for the real problem which was that I didn't see my value I was not prepared for the shame spiral
2: Shame, and that
3: that's the depression that that sank in at that point was heavier than anything I'd ever felt and it was during that summer where my I let my hygiene go I quit getting dressed I I didn't leave the house very much I talked to my children but I even quit talking to my husband other than just the surface of hey how was your day this is what's for dinner this is what's going on in the kid's life there was not like I was not conversing I was not opening you're not connecting anyone I was completely retreating right and um it was I didn't I don't know exactly when it was because it was kind of a, a gradual awakening to um, the suicidal ideation that I that had started mm-hmm. of like, how long can I keep going like this? This is super heavy. And I was crying every day, but really retreat, like no one knew about that. Right. And it was also I just felt so ashamed that I still had this problem. This mm-hmm. problem that had like followed me from my teens, and how I had hadn't I tried everything? Hadn't I tried everything to get rid of? I bugged my head; that didn't even work. You know, like there's—it's uncurable. Obviously, it's boundless. This problem is never going to be solved, and I'll just what I'm going to have to do is just try to figure out how long I can carry it. And I'm—I was sure that I could do it um, as long as my kids were in the home. I was sure that I could—I was sure that I could be there for them as long. As they were children, but I was almost just as sure that I couldn't go longer than that. Right. And that was a really tough realization because I had started to empathize with, with suicide. Because maybe people weren't committing suicide because they were selfish or because they were quitters or because they just weren't strong enough anymore. Maybe it was because the problem was bigger than they thought. Right. Right. And no one is that strong, yep. <laughs> you know, that kind of a thing. And and it was as I gradually started to wake up to what that meant for me and my future, I got scared. And that was my brick wall where I was like, gosh, if I'm going to keep this life, I, I'm going to have to work. Like, I'm going to have to fight for it because right. it's flipping away. Yeah. And 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 that was it was terrifying. But it was also, it did give me a lot of clarity because I had to look at what I had tried and what I hadn't tried. And what I hadn't actually tried was full honesty Mm
2: -hmm.
3: and professional help. Right. And those were two things that were like, once I accepted that that was going to be necessary, all of a sudden, everything just became easier. You can pick a team at that point. You can keep going because there are people trained (laughs) to handle this shiz that you don't that you are completely unqualified to handle. I was, not a quali- I was not a qualified therapist. Like I could not talk myself around or even through the things that I was working on. And yet that's what I was trying to rely on was well, my messed up
2: It's like you talk about with team universe. They didn't put us here to do this alone, Mm-mm. you know, no, like, I love that so much that that is a continual theme in your But How Though podcast is that Team Universe is there whenever we need them and are willing to access them. We just have to get out of our own stinking way.
3: Yes. You know? And and bringing it to Team Universe was probably, it was really difficult um, because I had, to face, I had to face being honest with them also. And instead of looking at my life as a performance-based And instead of looking at my relationship with Team Universe as a performance based relationship, I had to look at them as complete consultants. Right. Instead of just presenting, this is what I did. Applaud now. Right. (laughs) You know, this is how I'm handling my life. Aren't I doing so great? I, I read my scriptures. I pray. I do this. I do this. Instead of presenting it as a set of things that they can just be proud of as these proud, this proud team sitting somewhere in the universe, like, I had to look at them as actual members of my team, just the same way I looked at my therapist and my prayers had to get so much more honest. And, and I, I legit work my prayers like a business meeting. Now, every, every morning we all gather around my table, me and my empty chairs for team universe and discuss (laughs) what things I have been noticing, what, what I'm grateful for, what I need help with. And, um, what I need to engage myself in. And it is amazing the type of clarity and answers that come when you are actually seeking help instead of validation. Yeah. Right. I have to say, it's interesting. This thought came to my mind and I haven't
1: thought about it for a long time, but I remember your dad coming to my house at one point several years ago and I was telling him these things we were doing and that I needed to do by myself. And he said, Alicia, people that do fences know how to do them they that's their job that's what they do yeah (laughs) and i'm like but i can do it i can do this and i can do that and he's like yeah leave it to the professionals like there are certain things that only the professionals should do and that's okay to hire them i do my thing that's professional you let them do their things and that makes me think about this exact experience Yes, they are professionals for us. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, we need to turn the things over and whether like we've talked about, whether it's coaching, whether it's counseling, whether it's there's no shame in needing someone else's help to do the professional things. Right. And yeah. I I love that you talk about how you had a board
2: meeting inside out style with your emotions. You know, our emotions totally. are where we need to take our cues from because until we pay attention to them and deal with those underlying emotions and get a hold of the thoughts that are creating them and work through those tools that Alicia and I teach about that get you to clarity, you know, you're not going to be able to progress. You're just going to stay stuck in the spinning Of those emotions that are not being paid attention to in the, you know, in us not utilizing those resources that Team Universe is there giving us, not just directly from them, but in the connections that we have of people around us, you know, so it's, Mm -hmm. it's quite spectacular to hear how you put all of that into perspective. It's awesome.
3: I, that was one of the most valuable things that my therapist ever had me do really. Um, Because she said every single one of your emotions works for you. They're not working against you. They actually, they're for you. They're red flags. And so even the, yes, even the uncomfortable ones. And I have had to spend so much time with anger, which is really, it's sad. Because it's one of those things that, um, you know, as as a Christian person, I was always taught to avoid anger or to get rid of it quickly. Which kind of translated to my child mind as just let it go. Yeah, then you can't have it. Don't carry it. Don't have it. Don't feel it. As soon as it comes up, you got to have the self discipline to just stop being right. angry. <laughs> yeah. And my therapist was like, "Well, that's not how it works. Actually, mm-hmm. like your your anger is a secondary emotion to pain and sadness. So your your anger is flagging something for you that you you have either your feelings hurt or something is hurt. So anger raises a flag and is like, uh, you so you got something you want to pay attention to here." And so when you spend your time with your anger, it gives you a chance to look at deeper what is occurring. And it's, it's, not, um, it's not ever effective to try to ignore it because it will just keep coming back up because it actually works for you. It's, it's doing what it's supposed to do. Right. So when you feel the anger, the only way to actually resolve it is to work through it rather than ignore it. Right. And so you got to just sit and have that conversation. Okay, what are you trying to tell me? Why am I so mad? what's deeper and then when you go deeper um be able to like navigate the feelings without feeling shame about having the feelings. exactly chemically speaking the emotions come up because that's how you're wired (laughs) and so there's no sense in getting mad about it it's just what your body's function is so anyway it was very very helpful for me to be able to look at it objectively And if I'm having a boardroom meeting where I'm the CEO, then I get to take control of my feelings and get to allow them the floor time. But I also get to take the floor time back when it's time for me to move on to something else. Perfect. So that I love. Yeah, helpful. that is so
2: helpful. Such a helpful way to think about it. And in that podcast. You say life is not about get, getting well just so that I can go to work or be a parent or get through my to do list. Uh, it wasn't so that I could be a more functioning person that didn't break down and cry at any random trigger. It was so I could live more like me. You know, we think so yeah. much so often that being healthy and well is so that we can get through life. Well, that doesn't really serve us. You know, we, we get to be more like us. And then, you know, later on in the, in your, you know, towards the end of your podcast, you talk about how, when we work on being our best self, that's how we are giving a gift to others. Like that's how we are showing up in the world authentically, you know, so that we can be us and love others from that authentic place.
3: Yeah, I was looking at the Bible. And I was like, how does Jesus like show up for these people who are accusing him of the most ridiculous things? And he's like, a God, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) he's like, I could tell you so many things about even just that that tree over there that I created, and you are accusing me of the dumbest thing And he could have shut that down so quickly, but he never ever did. He didn't have anything to prove. I was like, how did he show up and give every day without having anything to prove? Because I felt like I had to prove something every single day, you know, that I was worthwhile or that I was doing well or something. And like, when I realized what he was doing, that he could show up because he knew himself so well that he didn't have anything to prove or anything to hide. He knew what his job was. He could show up and do it without ever worrying about what another person thought because it didn't mm. matter. He knew right. himself. And I was like, that's how I want to be because that kind of that kind of self-love and security not only allows me peace and freedom on a daily basis right. from anxiety, from all the other things, it also allows me a deeper connection to every person I come in contact with. Yes, I have a deeper empathy for what they're going through because I'm not competing with them. I have a deeper way of learning from them because I don't have to pretend that I'm teaching them in order to feel like I did something well. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I don't I don't have to be superior. I can just enjoy myself for who I am at any given point in my journey and also enjoy them knowing that they are on a certain point in their journey. And I don't have to judge whether or not they should be farther in their journey. I just have to decide where I'm at and show up and give what I have and it It completely changed the quality of my recovery. It completely changed the quality of my life. And it has 100% changed the quality of my relationship. Yes. Which was something I was, it was very unexpected.
1: Yeah. Well, and that takes us back to the beginning where I said I met this lady. You know, it really is. If you can just, it's about the connections that we have and having Mm -hmm. those experiences that we go through, um, help us have that empathy, um, to connect with other people rather than compare like we've talked about before and how if we choose to do that um, we end up being um, a happier, peaceful, more joyful person. Um, And that really is a gift when we allow that to be given to other people, you know, and it's not like we're patting ourselves on the back. I didn't sit there and pat myself on the back when I had that experience with her. It made me grateful for all those nights that I was dealing with a bedwetter or all that time you know it really just brings the compassion and the connection and that's what we're here for that's the village that we want as we try to um as you state here a happier peaceful more joyful you is a gift to the rest of us mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that is why when we speak of our mantra
2: the um, happiness of your life depends on the quality of your thoughts it all begins there mm-hmm.
1: so that's That's kind of um, what makes this journey so exciting. And no matter what type of podcast you're delving into, if these are the the things you're learning and the tools you're using, it really is a beautiful work.
2: Absolutely. We are so grateful that you took the time today, Rachel, to come on and share a portion of your journey. Again, please, everyone, seriously like i can't wait for rachel's but how the podcast to come out every week it's my favorite one right now and i connect <laughs> with it you. on such a deep level i think you know that that moms of special needs kids especially can connect with so many of the things that you're sharing and and just i appreciate your vulnerability and the rawness that you are willing to share that just really helps the the connections like you know i you're my cousin and I don't get to talk to you on a personal level as much as I do, but I love having you in my ear and feel so connected to you when I get to hear your podcast. So I'm just really grateful that you are taking the time to share your story and that it's having a big impact. So thank you for doing that. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. It's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, we are going
1: to wrap up today like we do with every episode with a would you rather and team universe was in this one because I just flipped open (laughs) <laughs> and here's what it is. Would you, this is just kind of a not necessarily rather, but would you wear your hair in a mullet for a month for $1,200? It right. says for women, 3900 But would you wear your hair in a mullet? <laughs> Did you do a mullet, Rachel, in your hairstyle project? You know, there was
2: an
3: accidental mullet that lasted 15 minutes. <laughs> And I'm telling you right now, I am a, I'm a trier or an experiencer. I would totally do my hair and mullet for $1,200. Absolutely. Yeah. I I just started a YouTube channel so that we could try recipes that were like questionable. I saw that. Vintage recipes. Uh huh. And we knew they were going to be gross. I just needed to know how gross. Uh So to me, like having the experience of having a mullet is like, yeah, I would totally do that. (laughs) I would 100% do that because I would want to know what that's like and like, how people react to you and there's so many different levels I don't know for a month you had to have it for a month a month yeah and and women yeah. you said get 3900 3, because okay. I don't even know
1: how a woman does that. Yeah, yeah maybe
3: not for 1200 but maybe for 3900 <laughs> I might
2: I don't know that would take a lot of courage
3: totally. yeah I would 100% do that well I mean because it's just hair it yeah. goes
2: there you go <laughs> even if we have to look like a baby gorilla for a minute huh Yeah,
3: yeah. I do know exactly how long that takes now. So I'm I'm no longer afraid.
1: Well, just so you know, you are a gift to us and we are so grateful to have visited with you today and all of you in the podcast world. um, Be happy. Yeah.
2: Choose joy and have a wonderful week.
0: You've been listening to The Clarity Call with Alicia and Kimberly. Find additional episodes of the program on any popular podcast app or search Apple iTunes. You may also subscribe to The Clarity Call to catch every episode. If you've enjoyed the content of this podcast, we invite you to share it and please leave a rating and review of our program. If you'd like to connect with Alicia and Kimberly on social media, you can find them on Instagram as The Clarity Call or on Facebook under Clarity Call. They can also be reached by email at theclaritycall@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and supporting our program.